This morning, I want to spend a little bit of time with our gospel passage that we just heard from John's gospel, the 16th chapter, because even though it was a pretty short passage we heard, there is a profound promise given to us in that passage by Jesus, and it's a promise about the Spirit of God and how the Spirit of God works in our lives. This is how Jesus begins, and, and you have this, this reading if you want to follow along. I'm just going to read the first two sentences and jump in. But John writes this, Jesus said to the disciples, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. Now, this passage, uh, it comes from uh, the Last Supper. And if we remember the Gospel of John, uh, we might remember that Jesus' teaching at the Last Supper comprises a, a, a pretty big chunk of John's Gospel. And that makes sense. Uh, Jesus, uh, this is his last night with his disciples before his crucifixion and resurrection. And so he is, in a sense, preparing them. So he's teaching them, getting them ready, and he talks to them about God. He talks to them about his mission to the world. He talks to them about how they are to treat one another and love one another after he is gone. So he, he is preparing them with this teaching, but then he gets to the end of the meal, and he says our passage today. And he tells them, you know, I've, I've taught you a lot tonight. But guess what? I still have a lot to teach you. And yet I can't teach it to you tonight because you could not bear it. Kind of reminds me of, of being a father, especially when my kids were, were younger. They would occasionally bring up a topic and I would say, how about we wait about three years before we address that, right? I don't think you're ready for this yet. You cannot bear it now. So that's what Jesus says. But then Jesus makes this promise to them, an incredible promise. That's the promise I want to focus on. Because Jesus says that even though you can't bear this truth now, I am going to send the spirit of truth to be with you when I am gone, and the Spirit will stand in for me, and he will teach me, teach you, when you're ready to receive the teaching. You know, I take some uh, solace from this exchange between Jesus and his disciples, and that's because uh, in my life, I have spent a lot of time and effort trying to get to know Jesus, entering into that relationship, trying to understand his teaching, and yet I still realize that there is so much that I don't understand about him. And it's nice to know that the disciples who were with him for three years also didn't have everything figured out at that point either. Karl Barth, one of the great theologians of the 20th century, he once wrote that all Christians 
must continually cultivate among themselves the spirit of the amateur. He says that there are no professional Christians. And what he means by that is that we have to be careful to not think that we have arrived, that there is no more growing for us, that we have figured everything out. Because the truth is, none of us have mastered the art of following Jesus. Uh, I mean, all of us here, we're at different levels of Christian maturity, but none of us here can bear the full weight and truth of who Jesus is. There is so much that each one of us has to learn about Jesus. And yet again, again, the promise given to us today is that the spirit of truth is active and busy in our lives, guiding us and teaching us. Uh, Will Willimon, who's a, a Methodist preacher, he, he writes this. He says, the spirit of truth is working in our lives, in our congregations, in our worship together, unfolding more of the great mystery of God in the flesh that we meet in Christ. He says, there are beliefs that are dear to this faith that we could not lay on you during your first days as a Christian. You couldn't bear them in the words of Jesus. That's why you have to pray and worship every day, every week, so that you can gradually, day in and day out, let the Spirit of truth work on you to show you wonderful new insights, new mysteries, and new revelations. In fact, one of the things that um, struck me as I was sitting with this passage this week um, are, are the number of active verbs attributed to the Spirit in this short little passage. Jesus says that the Spirit comes, He guides, He speaks, He declares, He glorifies. The Spirit is active in our lives. And so today, as we remember this promise, I want to just lift up uh, to you a, a few ideas and truths about the Spirit that come uh, out of our, our reading as we think about how the Spirit works in our own lives. So, first thing to say about the Spirit and the truth and guidance that the Spirit brings to us, and that is uh, the truth that He brings to us is a gift. It's a gift. Our God is a God of revelation. And as we've said, God did not just reveal Himself in the past. He reveals Himself to us each day. But this revelation to us, we cannot force it. I think the way that, that we are, are all wired is we want to achieve things. We think that we, if we work hard enough, pray hard enough, we can make things happen. But that's not how the Spirit of God works. We are not in control of the Spirit of God. We don't like that, but that is the truth. 
this guidance, this truth he gives to us is a gift. And so that means that the posture that we have to have before God is not a posture of trying to achieve, but it's a posture of attentiveness, of waiting, of submitting, of consenting. That's a key word in the spiritual life. Consenting to the activity of the Spirit of God in our lives. Because if we aren't attentive, if we aren't listening, we will not hear Him. That's the first point. Second point in this passage about the Spirit. Jesus says that the Spirit speaks the truth as it is revealed in Jesus. So going, going back to our, our passage, and if you're looking at it, I'm, I'm just going to pick up where I stopped. Jesus says, He, the Spirit, will not speak on His own, but will speak whatever He hears, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, that's Jesus, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And, and then Jesus repeats it. And by the way, we remember in the scriptures, if, if an author repeats something, it's like he's highlighting it or underlining it, saying, don't forget this. He says, all that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he, the Spirit, will take what is mine and declare it to you. I came upon an expression this week, a, a, a phrase that maybe I should have, um, have uh, known, and maybe you know, uh, but it's the, the word nodal. And this writer said that Jesus is the nodal point of revelation. So I had to uh, get on Google and, and look up the, uh, the definition of nodal. And and the nodal point uh, is the point in your eye where all the light converges and forms a picture of the reality that is in front of you. That that is the nodal point in your eye. And this writer suggests that Jesus is the nodal point of God's revelation, that he is God's culminating self disclosure, self-expression. It's very much the same thing as we read in the book of Hebrews, where the writer says that God has spoken to us in various ways and various means, but in these latter days, He has spoken to us through His Son. In the Gospel of, of Luke, Jesus says that the law of Moses, the Psalms, the prophets, they all point to him, that in him everything comes to a head, to a climax. He is the nodal point of all revelation. And so the Spirit's job, and, and, th- and this is the point I'm, I'm making, the Spirit's job is to show us the fullness of Jesus, to reveal to us who Jesus is and what that means for our lives. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like um, a stained glass window. You know, think about the stained glass window in the main sanctuary. If you walk into the main sanctuary at night, you will see the window, 
uh, it will be dark, and you can kind of make out some shapes in it. But if you walk in that space during the day, and especially if the sun is right behind the window, shining through it, what happens is, is that the light makes the, spe- makes the window come alive. And that's what the Spirit does. The Spirit makes Jesus come alive for us. So first, the truth that the Spirit brings, it's a gift. We don't achieve it. It's given. Second, the Spirit is focused on Jesus and revealing Jesus and His truth to us. And then the third point is this, that the Spirit of God guides us in appropriating the revelation of Jesus into new situations that we face. Guides us in appropriating the revelation of Jesus into new situations that we face. Jesus says this in our passage to to the disciples, and we read this. He says, The Spirit will declare to you the things that are to come. Now, now that's an interesting thing for Jesus to say. The Spirit will declare to you the things that are to come. Now, the church has, has read this and understood this as saying that the Spirit will guide us in how we are to respond to the world today. Uh, So you see this, for example, uh, all throughout the New Testament, but you especially see it in in the book of Acts. So, for example, take the story of Cornelius, Acts chapter 10 and 11. If you remember that story, there's a Roman centurion, a Gentile, Cornelius, who sends a few men to get Peter. He wants to hear about Jesus. And as these men are on their way uh, to, to get Peter, Peter is given a vision by the Spirit to follow and go with these men. Because he probably wouldn't have done it unless the Spirit told him. So he, he does follow them, and he comes to the household, and he shares about Jesus because of the Spirit's prompting. And when he does this, the light of the Spirit then illuminates these Roman soldiers, illuminates them with the truth of the gospel, and they go ecstatic, they accept Christ. And so then Peter goes back to Jerusalem, and the leaders of the church say to him, you know, what what were you doing going to this Gentile um, and teaching him? And Peter tells them how the Spirit led him. And then the leaders of the church respond that the Spirit has made plain to us that the gospel and forgiveness of God is not only for Israel, but for the rest of the world too. And, then, and if you want more examples of this, just read the book of Acts. I mean, really, the book of Acts should be called the book of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the one driving the action in the book of Acts. But what you see is the Spirit of God guiding the early church, helping them to respond to new situations. So again, just recapping those three points. First, the truth that the Spirit brings, the guidance, it's a gift. Second, 
the Spirit is focused on revealing the fullness of Jesus. And then third, the Spirit guides us in appropriating the revelation of Jesus into new situations. Now, one last thing I'll say, uh, because it's, it's important, and that is, how do we know when the Spirit is guiding us versus it just being our own desires, uh, our own imaginations, or some other spirit that is seeking to direct us. So, a few things to keep in mind. When you hear something from the Spirit, it will be consistent with the Scriptures and with Jesus' teaching on the Scriptures. Right? God's nature is consistent. So, if what you're hearing doesn't match up with the Scriptures, it is not from the Spirit of God. That's a good test. Another test to use involves the fruits of the Spirit. And last Sunday, here we talked about the fruits of the Spirit and how, how the Spirit gives birth in our lives to uh, joy and peace and, and love and kindness, generosity, self-control. And so, if you are being led into an action that is inconsistent with the fruits of the Spirit, such as being led into division or judgment, it's not the Spirit of God leading you. And then lastly, and hear this because we are not, we are not typically good at this, discerning the Spirit of God, it is a group exercise. We do not do this alone, right? You need brothers and sisters in Christ to help you do this. So, if you hear something and you think the Spirit of God is guiding you in a certain direction or telling you some truth, you need to have a group of brothers and sisters in Christ that you trust, you can be vulnerable with, you can go to and say, this is what I'm hearing. And you need them to voice back to you confirmation that that's the Spirit. Because if they go and they, they pray and they come back and they say, you know, I don't think that that is the Spirit of God. You need to listen to them. Because the truth is, we, we can so easily deceive ourselves. And what we do so often is we name our own desires as actually being guidance from the Spirit of God. So we need other believers to confirm for us that, yes, this is the Spirit guiding me. You know, the danger, the danger for the church is not to listen to the Spirit, to think that we have figured it out, to forget that to be a Christian means to be led, uh, uh, to grow, to be willing to be proved wrong, to submit and to follow the work of the Spirit. And so as we remember this promise from Jesus given to, to us today, which, which is an incredible promise that the Spirit of God is working in your life, guiding you, as we hold on to that promise, let me conclude us with a prayer. So let us pray.
Lord Jesus, do not leave us without revealing your will to us. Keep speaking to us. Keep showing us your glory. Keep changing us for the better. Keep telling us the truth, even when it may hurt us to hear it. Keep believing in us so that we may believe in ourselves. Keep calling us so that we might come forth and be the faithful, lively, courageous followers that you deserve. Do not leave us. Amen.